Hello and welcome to the Ann and Ellis podcast, a podcast specifically designed for you, the wedding and event industry entrepreneur. Look, no one ever claimed the wedding and event industry is easy. In fact, we believe that this industry is one of the most difficult industries in the world, but it does not have to be a journey you embark on alone. That is where we come in. We are your advocates, friends, strategic partners that will challenge you to become the best version of yourself, both personally and professionally. We are unapologetically passionate and thrive on helping others achieve a level of unimaginable success, happiness, and inner peace. Welcome to the Ananalis Podcast, and let's get started. What is going on, Megan? You know, I, I I couldn't help but laugh on my way to grab some coffee. I, I feel like I'm the only guy during this podcast that has like a plethora of drinks in front of me. As you can tell, I like my liquids. Important to stay hydrated. My fourth cup of coffee today. Ooh, um, okay. We're in for some fun then if yeah. you're on cup number four. <laughs> yes, yes. This is, again, I was laughing because I think the, the, um, the irony of all of this is this is the first podcast we're doing with a video component. And our guest today is somebody who is an absolute legend in the wedding and event industry in regards to cinematography. So he's seeing <laughs> he's seeing me in the in the rookie <laughs> stage of uh, softbox lighting and tripods and cord management and aesthetics. And so uh, number one, for those that are that are watching now and, and those that have been loyal listeners, thank you for being on our journey as we navigate a lot of this in-house production. And we're just, we're so excited. And as we have uh, the first guest, now that we're kind of doing these things in-house, I am just beyond excited. Me too. So Me too. If you don't mind, Megan, I'm going to, I'm going to have you introduce the guest because I want to So our salon, Manoir, has been truly a legend. When I started the venue, the thought of you being here was, I'm going to get choked up. Um, coming to film a wedding here was just like, I just would get chills thinking about it, um, based on your creativity and your connection with clients. So the first time you filmed here, I was over the moon. Um, and I knew we were going to be friends. The conversation we had was about our dogs. That was the first time we like, we just chatted. And, uh, I think I had actually lost one of my rescue dogs and I said something and, you know, some people were like, Oh, I'm sorry. And you like truly looked at me like, your heart hurt for me and um because you have a dog and are passionate about animals and and uh so I was like okay this guy is the real deal not only is he an amazing cinematographer um he is an incredibly human so we are so lucky to have you here today we this podcast could be like seven hours I feel like it, it really could be <laughs> I, I've got enough space on this SD card so we can we can rock and roll all day uh, yeah, you know, we can go into go, the night this um, could go a while you know I I, I spoke about an individual who I define for me as the godfather of wedding DJing, Bill Tandy, um, uh, who, by the way, is a ghost hunter now. So he is with Riverside Paranormal. So follow them on, on Facebook and, and leave a comment and say Riley says hi. Bill showed me and taught me how to go above and beyond for clients and what that really meant, right? It wasn't just like training and telling me these things. I would follow him to these weddings and I would see him do 
these extraordinary things that had nothing to do with music, nothing. He was getting grandparents' drinks and the wedding party drinks, and he was checking in with the planner, and he was bringing his own umbrellas for the bride wow. when it was really sunny outside. There's a picture of him that hung in the Unique Events office for a long time. Where he, had a, he was holding the umbrella over the bride with her dad as he was rushing back to do music, and it's just like this guy was taking things to the next level. So it really, really inspired me. And then I started to get more into weddings and, you know, the years progressed. And this is where wedding cinematography started to take off. And I'm very fortunate that I was a part of the industry where I could watch that evolution, where it was literally somebody with like a handy cam and it was just capturing everything. And like, here's your DVD, maybe yeah, <laughs> and right. here's everything. There was like no editing, it did, but, but it was something that that's all you knew and, and, and something that you... Um, really held near and dear to your heart because that was the best way to capture those memories. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, the wedding cinematographer came to the forefront and they were creating these, I mean, nothing short of the like Hollywood cinematic, like blockbusters that would um, take the feeling and the essence out of the day that I remembered as a DJ. Like I can remember like, man, that was a great couple, man, their parents were incredible. That venue was great. Oh yeah. They said that for their vows, man, that day felt great. But then you take on more weddings and you start to kind of lose what that wedding kind of felt like. You're just on to the next one. Wedding cinematographers can really take that day and, and how it felt in such a genuine way. And I remember seeing Arsalan's videos and it was jaw dropping, man. Like it, it was the first time that I'm like, oh my God, like yeah, this, is, this is where it's going and the amount of attention and care that you had for your clients reminded me a lot of Bill. And I got to know you more personally, professionally, and just your, your character, your integrity, your professionalism, your passion was unmatched. And it's like, okay, well, I've, I've got to become, I've got to become best friends with this best dude. Friend. Like he is so inspiring <laughs> and so motivating. Um, so it is, it truly is, man. It's a blessing to have you here. It's been a long time coming and here we are. Kind of like denim brothers <laughs> right now. I missed the denim memo for those yeah. of you who are watching. I could go change really Make quick. Megan's not on the group text, but uh, we got a whole separate group that's text. That's just exclusive. So tell us, take us way back for people who don't know you, but um, for people in the industry today, how did you start in that? Well, first of all, I would be remiss if I did not just humbly thank both of you for what a beautiful introduction and the feeling is mutual for my love and passion for the two of you. You are complete savants in what you do. And I know you might not feel like that, but to me, that's who you are in this industry and beyond. You've motivated and inspired me, not just professionally, but personally. And I love you two so much. Well, and thank, thank you. you for thank letting you. me be here. And thank you for those wonderful comments. As, oh my gosh, I could like literally, I, I'll, I'll pay your royalty checks later. <laughs> yeah, the checks. Well, <laughs> well, listen, man, I, I, I really feel like you are the godfather of wedding cinematography Thank in this you. area. I mean, you were doing things nobody else was doing. You were taking chances and taking these risks that nobody else was doing. And that's what I miss most about this industry. Are, are, um, and now, again, I know when you enter into an industry, you have to learn your craft before you start taking all these crazy yeah. chances, right? You got to kind of get comfortable in your own skin. Um, but there's just something to be said for, for showing up to a wedding knowing that you've got a guy like Arsalan who was just taking <laughs> yeah. things. I can definitely give you insights yeah, on where, where all that begins. Yes, please. So just, Let's uh, start from the beginning, my so friend. So I always, I always refer, whenever I speak with anyone, 
I always ask them what their superhero origin story is, so I'll share with you mine very, very, very quick synopsis. So um, I was born in Pakistan. Uh, I was eight years young when we immigrated here to America, and I have five siblings, so pretty big family. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he was the original inspiration for me because he took this massive leap of faith and literally immigrated his entire family to a new country. None of us spoke a single word of English. Wow. Um, we came here, culture shock. We lived in this tiny apartment in Ames, Iowa with my uncle, and it was just like literally boots to the ground. He had $25. It's a classic immigrant story. Wow. Let's get going. Let's start. And he, from the beginning, showed me and taught me that, that mentality of just hard work and determination and focus. And he got me my very first camera when I was nine. <laughs> and the second I started making films, and this is, I'm talking, and I still have the camera to this day, by the way. Um, my brothers and I, what we used to do is we used to recreate Bollywood music videos because that's <laughs> what we grew up. In yeah. Pakistan and mm -hmm. India, Bollywood is literally its own ecosystem. And so we used to, we grew up, and to this day we watch Bollywood music videos. And if you've ever seen a Bollywood music video, it's literally nothing but a culmination of like color and everything, right? And so we used to recreate those for fun, and I knew right away that video was the passion that just flows through my body. And I just grew up making videos, and fun side fact, I was one of the first YouTubers. So YouTube came out in 2015. I started a channel just a few months later. And the reason I started the channel because I needed somewhere to like upload these videos so mm -hmm. we can share them with like family, especially in Pakistan. My videos started blowing up. like They were going insane, insane because when I was one of the first ones, you know? And so it just kept showing me how to just continue to grow and evolve. And so I knew that video was something I wanted to do always. Originally, I wanted to be a, a, a movie director. But as I got older, coming out of high school, I, I went to school for marketing and management. So I knew that marketing and video is something that I want to somehow combine. So fast forward in about 2015, my wife and I, we had the honor of starting our own video production company here in Iowa. And so we do a lot of work with small businesses and corporate clients and uh, nonprofits, which we're very passionate about. But around that time, I kind of dabbled into the wedding side of things, kind of when we, we first met. And that was just like, just random. So what happened is one of my friends who was doing weddings, he reached out to me, he said, hey, I have a couple who's eloping, which I had no idea what that even meant. I'm like, <laughs> I knew nothing about weddings, right? I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, they're literally getting married without their family. I'm like, okay, cool. And so. They saw my stuff, which at that time was just my YouTube channel. And I'm like, so again, I went into the film industry, in the, in the wedding industry, not knowing anything about weddings. I had actually never even attended a wedding at that time. I didn't know what <laughs> American <laughs> weddings were all about. I was okay. all about Pakistani weddings. Yeah. Anyway, so it was in Dubuque, Iowa. We went and I, I spent the day with them and I literally filmed it as I would be filming anything, which for me, it all comes down to evoking emotion. Everything I create and everything I produce whether it's video or art, it's literally how can I have someone watch this and feel something, whether it's joy, sadness, laughter, whatever it is. And for this, I wanted them to feel love and just like be there with this couple. It's just the two of them. How can we turn this into something beautiful? I made it. I posted. It went crazy viral. I had people in Australia and overseas literally sending me messages saying, I don't know who this couple is in Iowa. I don't even know where Iowa is, but I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm sitting here like bawling my Fair eyes enough. out, right? <clears throat> the phone could not, like, we probably could have had 10 lines. I was, like, getting nonstop phone calls from wedding couples wanting to film their wedding. And I'm like, hey, let's let's do this. So I jumped into weddings. And every single couple, like Riley was saying, to me, was 
a very unique story, a unique couple. And when you go in filming weddings, you have to like look at it from a blank canvas and how can you tell their story? And I worked very closely with Riley through some of those weddings because yep. what a lot of people don't understand, you cannot tell a beautiful wedding story without capturing some beautiful audio during the, the speeches. <laughs> yeah, speeches right. Speeches are huge because you can go an entire day capturing really not good footage and then the the father of the bride might say something absolutely powerful and I'm like, that's going to be how I'm going to tell this story, right? So you create, you're creating the story while it's all happening. As we started like making more videos, I was doing like 40 weddings a year and it was just blowing up and it was amazing. And then um, I started feeling burnout, right? And we can talk more about this and something that I'm a huge advocate of. I started feeling burnout. We were getting close to expecting our first child, my wife and I, and uh, I needed to take a step back because I was, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate of anxiety. I have generalized anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder for the last 10 years. And so I needed to step back and we made a very important but difficult decision at the time to completely retire the wedding side of things. But the stuff that I learned and what I created from weddings and how it blew up our business and our personal life and creating these amazing friendships like with you too has been something that will forever be a part of me. To this day, I still get emails and phone calls from couples who are like, I knew I wanted to book you before I even knew who I was going to marry. And so I, it's, <laughs> oh it's, it's turned into therapy. I've, I've had to talk to brides who literally are crying on the phone like, you don't do wedding. Can you please come out of retirement? I've been asked to come out of retirement so many times. And it's, it's definitely a decision that was hard, but it was something that was needed. And now we solely focus, again, on nonprofits, small business, and corporate clients. But um, again, my anxiety advocacy stuff that I talk about a lot is, is huge for me as well. So that's kind of like my superhero sto origin story coming to this point, but uh, it's been quite an adventure and I'm so excited to see how I can utilize everything I've done with the wedding side of things moving forward. Yeah. In my life. yeah. Well, I, I think you could totally be a Bollywood actor if you wanted to do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> World's wide open for you still. You can do whatever you wanted <laughs> so to do. I, I love what I love about your story because I think it resonates with yours and mine. You jumped in uh, not knowing the, you know, how to do exactly what you were, were supposed to be doing. And we get so many vendors or people asking, you know, how did you do it? And the simple answer is I just jumped in. I didn't have the, you know, path laid out in front of me. I kind of carved my own way. And to me, that's so beautiful because what you learn from that, like you said, what you've taken with you that you'll have forever is you figured it out and you figured out your style. And, um, and I also love with, you know, your work in weddings, that you really took every client and said, I've got to be here. And you were immersed in their day and that's how you created their story. You know, you, cause all of your films are so different too. I mean, you could tell that you really cared about the couples and um, yeah, it was a absolute pleasure having you here and everyone was just so sad when you left. But <laughs> I, I want to hear more about that story too, because that's a, a big topic is burnout and oh man, what you do and, and longevity and, and where do you go from here, especially being a creative person, being in the event industry. There's so many ways to talk about that, but you've made a shift for the positive, you know, and you've experienced it. So you're kind of holding up the lantern for other people that, and you can talk about that. I'm excited to hear more about that story. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, I would also ask to in, in the most simplistic explanation to somebody that reaches out and says, Hey, I know who you are, seen your work. I'm willing to pay you X number of dollars to get you there. And you're saying no. In, in, in your mind or through your words, 
what is the reason why you decided? And I know it has to do with anxiety, but I think for the individuals that are listening or watching watching in this industry that I know feel that same type of anxiety, but they're still in it because maybe they, they're really scared or fearful of what's going to happen financially, personally, emotionally to their livelihood if they stop doing it. I mean, you took a stand, which is really tough to do. You know, I've made the announcement several times that I'm getting out of DJing, not because I don't enjoy working with couples, not because I, I don't enjoy DJing, but a lot of it is based on my kids getting older, uh, my wife, Melissa, who uh, has been, you know, home by herself with the kids for years and years and years. Now, again, there's a sacrifice to everything you do to, to be the provider, but it's a really hard thing for me to say no, specifically when it's a couple that I've worked with before, or, or it's like a sister of the bride who got married two years yeah. ago. And I remember their family or just that type of wedding. I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be a great one. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, so why are you saying no? Like what, what, what's, through your, I just want to hear through yeah. your words and your narrative, yeah, kind of why sure. you decided to hang for sure. out. And, th- and that does happen a lot. It's usually like relatives or, you know, sisters that were there and they're like, Arslan, we like, I don't mean this in an egotistical way, but kind of what Megan was saying when I showed up here, I would show up and I would literally have a fan base of people who were not just watching my weddings, but also sure. watch what I do on YouTube. And they were like, you're like a celebrity <laughs> and like, oh my gosh, yeah. just do whatever. And that was one of the most amazing things about weddings is literally the creative freedom to do what I wanted. Uh, because when you do work for a small business or corporate clients, there is kind of this this perimeter you have to stay with and making sure you're abiding by their brands and everything else. Weddings, I would always ask the couple, like, is there a certain feel or look of what you're going for? And they're like, whatever you do, we will love. <laughs> yeah. Just do you're whatever like, you great. make. I'm like, That's oh smart. That's a smart <laughs> answer. Which is, which is wonderful, but also can be frightening. So. Uh, just to put it in context for, for folks who don't know the behind the scenes of, of wedding yeah. cinematography, and uh, and I'm just going to say this, that this is not digging at any other part of the wedding side of things. For me, weddings uh, is literally you're working as a team, a collective team. When you show up to the day, the couple has literally handpicked you as part of their creative team. And the more the creative team works together, the more streamlined and beautiful the day is. And I'm talking like cinematographer, photographer, DJ, florist, everyone. Definitely had occasions where some folks did not want to be a part of the team, and y'all know how difficult that can be, uh, just like with anything. So with wedding, something that's really different uh, in regards to the other side of the other vendors there. With video, I would have spent probably months talking to this couple, figuring out who they are, getting to know them. You show up to the day of the wedding, and you spend about 10 to 12 hours filming this beautiful footage. And then the night ends, and for folks that are like the florists or the caterers or even the DJ, their obligation to this client at that moment has kind of ended because other than leaving reviews and touching base and how can we help you in the future, you can move on to the next wedding, right? For videographers, now the hard work starts right. where you get home and you look at literally this blank canvas, which is your editing software. You upload like this, like 12 hours of footage <laughs> And now you're looking at it, you're like, how do I tell this story? And it's not like what it used to be where like Uncle Marvin is just filming on a tripod, like, here you go, here's a DVD. <laughs> right. I'm literally telling a story, and I can't do it in one sitting. I have to create this story. I have to figure out what am I going to utilize, and it might not click until like a week later, like, oh, I can use this portion from their vows and 
culminate a story around that. So I'm doing that, and it takes about 40 to 60 hours to tell this amazing story. And the couple knows that this might take up to tw uh, maybe two months, right? And I know some people like will turn it around really quickly, but those are like just 30 seconds. I'm talking like a four to six minute story, right? So imagine doing that times 40. I, I can't no. imagine Non -stop, that. Non-stop, right? <laughs> I can't. And then no. imagine doing that times 40 plus all of your small business and corporate clients who are literally booking you for a year's worth of video content. So essentially it was coming down to I was running low on time and I didn't have a cloning machine. If I had a cloning machine, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but then um, after our son was born, and this is something a lot of people don't talk about because they don't think it's, it's real, but uh, as, as a man, I struggle with postpartum depression. It happens to men as well. It just doesn't happen, you know, like, and I'm a, he, again, I talk about that quite a bit. Yep. I felt like I was losing a sense of who I was. Uh, it's, and again, uh, you're, when you go through this, kind of this grieving process in regards to like the loss of a, a normal life, which do you think is normal at that sure. time? Yeah. You're right. transitioning, you're shifting. And with that, I was just, I felt like I was juggling so much. And I felt like the one thing that I needed to pull back on was how much I was taking on so I can focus on my well-being, so I can show up as the best person for my family and for everyone who care and care for me. Yeah. And so that's why I decided to take the step and be like, we have to retire this. So we completed those contracts. And now, as I'm slowly, he's going to be four, and I am slowly starting to get more time and be able to pursue some of those passions. And when folks reach out, they want to do weddings and whatnot, I immediately feel the sense of like, okay, um, I could do this, yes, but I have to be a person who's, who has to be, like I have to keep my promise to myself yep. and who I am because that's something my dad taught me from the very get-go. If you're going to do something, do it 100%. And if I just jump back in just because I want to or someone wants me to, then I'm losing sight of why I did this. And the whole reason I did this is to show up as the best version of myself. It is a very difficult no. It's always hard saying no to someone who, especially when they message you and they're just raving and they're just like and they tell you you can do you can create whatever you want and we will pay you and here and some people are like here's a blank check right and i'm like okay monet what's more important monetary or my mental health right so you have to just like for me it comes down to i have to stand my ground and believe in who i am because for every no and this is so true it sounds so cliche for every no there's 10 yeses isn't that I literally isn't that the truth i will say no and a door will open for 10 yeses that are that'll serve not only our business, but also us personally. And also I'm able to serve others in a more meaningful way, right? Whether it is a nonprofit, so it opens up, because I do a lot of like philanthropy, video production work for nonprofits who we truly believe in. So when I say no to someone, a client might come in who is willing to do a lot more with minimal time, and then I can dedicate my attention and focus and serve in other ways, right? Not saying it's not service to be able to provide incredible content for couples, but again, I have to stand my ground and and do the thing that I promised myself. So it's essentially keeping a promise to myself. That's great. Absolutely, I agree. And that's just I think that is so true. You know, like you said, the doors opening. I, we're all in the service industry. We talk about that a lot, and you know, and we're all creative people. But when you find that that passion of again, you can serve other people. Maybe your your reach is bigger now than it was before. You know, you're doing good work in other ways so there should you know sometimes there is guilt i think or like you said trying saying no is hard but you have to look at you know what else you're able to do and your mental health absolutely is so important and i love this conversation especially around men you know um and i have a son and you know i so i uh who's 16 and i you know 
trying to really um, help him embrace understanding having those emotions and um, knowing that that's just so normal and acceptable and how, having to process that. It's just you're, you're out there really being vulnerable and teaching people that it's real and um, it's okay. And, you know, so to me, do we miss you and do couples miss you? And I'm sure you'll get requests forever and ever to do weddings, but you've got other things that you're, you know, doing that are, I think, just as important, if not more important. So. Well, I remember we would take these really early morning walks. Remember that, and oh, Marion? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you were talking a lot about the next thing that you're going to do. And, and I, I, I cannot agree more when you said, it's amazing what happens when you start saying no based on your purpose on how many doors truly open up. I remember, I don't know if Jess Denton remembers this or not, but shout out to Jess Denton. I remember when I went out on my own as a DJ, I was just telling some of these fellow wedding professionals that I work really well with and just have a lot of respect for. Hey, I'm going out on my own. Um, if you have any clients that would be interested in my DJ services, you know, I'd be forever grateful. And she had said, and so we were talking a little bit, and I remember toward the end of the conversation, she goes, Riley, the universe is always talking. You just have to listen. And that piece of advice followed me up, I mean, even to this day, where in our mind we shut doors. You know, like you saying I'm not taking on weddings sounds like you're shutting the door on that chapter, but in reality it's really just you're proceeding to the next chapter, you know. And the amount of people that I know you've been influencing based on the chapter that you're currently writing um, surrounding, you know, the focus on, on mental health, it's a very vulnerable subject that a lot of men, a lot of leaders, um, CEOs and, you know, the, 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 the masculinity of, of, of um, kind of camouflaging any and all vulnerabilities, I think you're breaking down those walls and, and, and it's really inspiring to see somebody who's doing it with so much confidence at the same time, right? Um, because I remember going back to those walks, you were talking to me about what you were going to be doing. And it was like overnight, you just came on the scene. And I remember you telling me how your audience has been growing and showing me these numbers. I'm like, holy cow, man. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about um, as you entered into the world of, of YouTube and Instagram, what that brand meant for you. And, and, and talk a little bit more about kind of where you're at now and, and where you're going. Because yeah. I love talking about the future. I'm yeah, very futuristic. For sure. for sure, yeah. And speaking of the future, if you have any dreams and aspirations talking about the universe, uh, know that everything that you have ever wanted and desired in your life, it's already happened. Time hasn't caught up yet. So just, I love that. Just keep that in mind, right? Um, so, yes, uh, going back to starting the Instagram and YouTube channel dedicated, at, at that time I was talking heavily on law of attraction and stuff like that, but it all stemmed down to anxiety and mental health. Like that was the baseline of everything I want to talk about is to how to take care of your mental health and your well-being because uh, growing up in Pakistan, if you guys think there's a stigma around mental health here, y'all have no idea how bad it is. Um, like literally men are always told, you know, you have to uh, be show up with strength and courage. You can't show any vulnerability, not realizing that vulnerability is what is, you know, like shown as 
strength and courage. Sure, right. um, and so uh, even to this day, people are just afraid to open up about their, their well-being, even though they're suffering in silence, they're crying themselves to sleep. So I'm always showing up that you have to talk to people in your life and even strangers who are literally crying themselves to sleep and just show up with kindness and grace. And so my whole purpose with that was talk about anxiety and mental health in a way that's meaningful and to show people that anxiety is your superpower and it is literally a part of who you are. Um, I always related back to when Peter Parker in, in Spider-Man, when he gets bit by a spider, right away he doesn't know what's happening to him. It's one of the scariest things that ever happened to him until he starts figuring out how to harness that power. That's what anxiety is. It literally, when it first happens, you start feeling these horrific physical and mental symptoms, whether it's a full-blown anxiety or panic attack. I, I remember in one of your episodes, you were talking about taking a bang energy drink <laughs> on an empty stomach, yeah, and uh, you were with a client, and you felt like this out-of-body experience. <sighs> like that is, That's what anxiety and panic attacks are like, right, for people who struggle with it daily. And so just talking openly about what is going on. And for me, it came down to anxiety is talking to you and telling you you're either doing too much of something too little of something, whether you're you know, not getting enough sleep, you're all burned out, like whatever it is. So when you start listening to it, you're able to like really harness that. So I started creating content around anxiety, mental health, and all that stuff. And it started blowing up specifically in Pakistan and India because there was people that were already following me from overseas. And the reason that it really blew up, and this is going to, this is really going to like be an eye-opener for your audience. Riley already knows this. I don't know if I've ever... So I'm going to quiz you quickly, all right? Okay. Oh, jeez. Okay. There, um, so in Pakistan and India, most parents, not all parents, most parents tell their children they can grow up to be one of three things. Do you know what those three things are? Uh, let me guess. Uh, based on, I would say, a doctor, yep. a lawyer. I don't know what the third thing is. So Something in that, you, yeah. You definitely got that. So. Okay. So most parents, not all parents, most parents tell their kids in Pakistan and India they can grow up to be a doctor, an engineer, or a failure, right? That sounds awful, but that's literally what it is. So what does that mean? So essentially what that means is there's these kids to this day, every single day, born every single day, always living these, that are creative artists, entrepreneurs in, in, in their being, right? Whether they want to be a DJ, whether they want to be a dancer, an artist, a filmmaker, whatever it is. But because they're told that they can be one of these three things, they grow up without this sense of purpose. So they're struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with depression. Suicide rates are really high because they're not living their purpose. So I come up and I start telling them, hey, you have permission from, from the universe and from yourself to be who you are. Because Pakistani and Indian parents, their biggest struggle that they have is they want their kids to have the things that they never had. But to them, they feel like the only way they can succeed is to be an engineer or a high-paying job. We live in a beautiful world where you can make, like, seven figures doing something as a side hustle, mm -hmm. right? Like, what a beautiful time to be alive. And that's what I started cultivating and teaching. And that started blowing up, and people started resonating with that, not just in Pakistan and India, but here in America as well. How can you take yourself and start applying the things that you are passionate about? And that kind of going hand-in-hand with, uh, you know, shutting the door, on weddings but then opening it to other ways you can constantly make a living and be purposeful and passionate but how can you do it while maintaining your mental health and not burning yourself out so i started teaching these kids to this day i get messages uh, from kids in pakistan saying i was this close to taking my life and then out of nowhere your video was recommended on my feed whether wow. it's on youtube or instagram 
So why would I stop making content yeah. when I'm talking about things that are say, literally saving someone's life? And so I speak with them and I get them the help that they can with where they're living, you know. Uh, but that's the struggle we're dealing with every day. So as creatives, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as wedding professionals, we have to open up about our insecurities and vulnerabilities because your voice, I can keep talking about this stuff, but the way Megan says something is completely different than how Riley says it and how I, we can all say the same thing three different ways, but the audience that's going to resonate with you is totally different than your and my audience. So there's no saturation or oversaturation in regards to talking about things that you believe in because someone out there who is suffering in silence needs your voice and the way you say it, no one else can. So I commend and I, 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 anyone who's listening and watching, if you're close to taking this step that you have not taken yet, please do because someone is literally waiting for your voice. Right. So that's that's why I'm so oh, passionate about what I thank talk you about. for sharing that. Yeah, it's it's so on the way literally on the way here. OK, so you were meant to say that to me because um, I was thinking, you know, as we grow our brand and I keep thinking, you know, who who really wants to hear from me? Like, I mean, there's a million, you know, I I don't know that I want to put myself out there, or put, you know, that much. And, and what you just said made me think somebody one person might who is you know, um, I have a lot of different paths I've taken, but, um, I should share it because hopefully I could help somebody who's, you know, I've, I've overcome a lot of things in business or, you know, being a mom or all of those things. And, um, that just inspires me to continue to For share sure. it. No, I'm glad. And, yeah. and one more thing I want to tell you guys, uh, especially cause you've started this incredible new podcast and you're slow, you're growing and you're going from zero to one instead of zero to 10, you're taking small steps. I can tell you with full confidence right now, there are going to, there are, I'm sure there's days and nights where you are like, is this even worth it? What are we doing? We're putting so much work in it. I guarantee you, if you were to stop your podcast right now, you're going to run into someone later today or tomorrow saying, Hey, what happened to the podcast? I was listening to it nonstop. And you're like, wait, you were, you never yeah. accommodated us <laughs> right. anything. So there are people that are consuming your content and loving it and growing from it. And their own personal development is moving forward but they're never going to tell you because they're, they're those silent fans. Yeah. They're there. The they silent exist, audience. All right. Yeah. They're there. All right. And I can guarantee you there's people listening right now that you have no idea. Listen to every single word that you guys say. So don't stop doing what you're doing because there are people that need your voice. Well, we appreciate that. <clears throat> and it is, it's, it's wild when we receive messages, whether it be through Instagram or, um, you know, I'll get, I'll get text messages from individuals that I haven't talked to for a really long time that aren't even in the wedding industry, sure. but something that we talked about resonated with them. And it is, it's amazing when one message comes across, you're like, it fires you up. It's like it refills yeah. your gas tank on days where you see the fuel light come on, you know, it's yeah. like, no, this is something that we're just going to continue to do. And, and we hope that through our philosophy and our belief system in regards to the wedding industry and the event industry in general, that, we can create this community of individuals that not only create success for themselves because people define success so differently. Some people it's strictly money, other individuals it's like they own their time and maybe they're not making a ton of money, but they can dictate their schedule and they have just enough to get by. It's like, it's, it's all very subjective, but I have just seen um, a lot of really great individuals come and go based on the fact that they just couldn't find that inner peace within themselves, you know, and, and it's a very stressful industry. You are dealing with, 
um, so many moving parts and pieces, not only logistically, but emotionally. And this is one of the biggest days of your clients' lives, right? And so I had to have, I, I mentioned this in, in, in a podcast before, like I had to have a talk with myself on the way to a wedding where I, when, when I first started DJing, I would get, it, it was anxiety. It absolutely was anxiety. And, and um, my hands were getting tingly and it kind of felt like I was just slowly coming out of my body. And I was on my way to a wedding in Cedar Rapids, or it was, it was in Iowa City. And I literally pulled over on the side of 380 before the Highway 1 exit. And I pulled over, turned the vehicle off. I was ready to like throw up because I was so nervous and it's just all of these emotions. And I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Well, I'm, and I tried to like break it down. Like, well, I'm feeling this way because I want the day to go perfect. I don't want the client to be mad at me. I don't want my equipment to fail. Um, I don't want them to send a negative review after it's all said and done because I care so much that would crush me. I'm worried about a lot of things that I can't control. Why am I worried about so many things that I can't control? And I said to myself, Riley, if you are going to keep going in this, you have got to calm down and you have to understand that nothing about what you're doing is going to be perfect. So it's up to you to either communicate that with your clients at the very beginning that we're all human and that I'm going to show up and do the best I can and to kind of create and nurture these relationships from the very beginning. And that was the baseline of everything that I've done thus far. Because when I meet with clients, I tell them every single time we are on the same team. Yes, this is a, quote, business transaction. You're paying me to be mm -hmm. there. I get that, and thank you for that. You're keeping the lights on the Malayan household. I, I appreciate that. But if you stop and think about a relationship between a client and a wedding professional, if you're a wedding professional in the industry for the right reasons, you're on the same team, and you want the same thing out of the day that the client does, yeah. right? Like I want to show up and make sure that when your guests leave and they run into you two months, two years down the road, they say to you, wow, that was a ton of fun. I love this. And that was cool. And hey, I witnessed your first dance. What a beautiful moment. Oh, your, your dad's speech. Wow. Touching. I've, I've not heard a speech like we want the same thing. And so it really just taught me that I could let my anxiety go any which way it wanted to go. Yep. But I was on the verge of like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Waking up every Saturday morning, sick to my stomach. And it, you know, that stuff, stress will literally oh. kill you, yeah. right? Yeah. And I still get nervous. I still have this kind of, you know, uh, anxiety that kind of peeks its head in before like wedding party introductions or like before I officiate a ceremony because you get in your head like all eyes are on you. But I have this um, kind of inner monologue dialogue, right, with myself or inner monologue, whatever, where I can just kind of talk myself into kind of getting on a level where I need to be. And so, Arslan, I'm going to ask you, what was, and maybe there wasn't one specific time, but um, what was like the catalyst, I guess, and kind of a negative catalyst that you like thought to yourself, wow, like there's something going on with me here. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. when did, was there a moment or was it just more of like this yeah. chronic thing that lingered? For sure. So two things I want to mention on everything. Again, you were warned it's going to be an eight hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get two comfy. Things. Riley said something beautiful uh, a few minutes ago saying that when you get those comments uh, from people that you haven't talked to in a while and it kind of like your fuel gauge is on empty and it, it fuels you up. Now reciprocate that and think about someone in your life, whether it's a family member or a friend or someone who you haven't talked to in like a month or a year. 
literally I challenge you just to send them a message or call someone and say, hey, and then share a memory with them about something that you did together or something about them and then remind them how special they are to you. You are going to change their week, month, year, whatever it is. So there's people out there, they're running on empty. Give them that little bit of love too, okay? So love what that. Riley Absolutely. said. So that's love my that. challenge to the Absolutely. listeners. So now talking about anxiety, what you just mentioned, you literally, your, your body and your mind, we're going through fight or flight, right? So our entire being, we are made up of 30 trillion cells which are constantly vibrating when we start getting tense and nervous. And anxiety, oddly enough, shares the same characteristics, same exact, exact framework what's going on in your body as excitement. Anxiety mm. and excitement are the same thing. The only difference is how we perceive it. Is it a threat or is it a joy? So our ancestors were waiting for, you know, saber-toothed tigers yeah, around sure. the bushes. Yeah. And so we're constantly fighting for, but now we're sitting in traffic, we're driving to a wedding, we're, and we're feeling those same sensations and fight or flight kicks in and we have full-blown panic attacks. So there's different, so what you said is perfect. You know, what, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens instead of switching it with, so what? So what if this happens, right? You, you can be in control of those things. But the catalyst for me is when um, I had, I was having like nonstop panic attacks, like con just like out of the blue, out of nowhere. And what year was this? Not uh, so when I, had my, when I had my first uh, really, really bad, okay, so kind of stepping back, before we started the business, before we started Monomar Studios, where I was working um, full time and kind of like giving my 110%, I just feel like I felt like I was out of alignment. I've had anxiety my whole life, but officially being diagnosed was 2015. Okay. And what was going on, going back to what I said, anxiety is always telling you you're either doing too much of something or too little of something. You're not following your purpose or passion. And I was having anxiety attacks, panic attacks nonstop. I was going to the ER. 90% uh, wow. of people that go to the emergency room thinking they're having a heart attack are actually having a panic attack because they share such similar characteristics. Wow. And so I needed to take a step back and figure out what is my anxiety trying to tell me. And at that time, it was telling me that I'm not following my purpose or passion. So that's when we started Monowar Studios. And over the course of the following 10 years, I slowly started understanding who I was and figuring out my anxiety and working with it. But then right after our son was born and I started feeling those same symptoms again, I took a step back and was like, I've gone through this, I've done this, let's listen to my anxiety. And it was telling me it's time to figure out what you wanna do with your life. And so the symptoms started coming up because again, going back to Peter Parker and spy the spidey senses, anxiety will always tell you like, okay, what is going on here? What are you doing too much of? What are you doing too little of? Mm. And so as soon as I started stepping away from weddings and focusing on more philanthropy work and focusing on less, less clients, which oddly enough around the same time like COVID was hitting, mm. such a scary time for business owners in general, um, I was trying to figure out how to navigate moving forward in life. And so those symptoms started coming up again. I was, I didn't luckily have a full blown panic attack because now I have tools in my toolkit of how to manage those, which are all natural by the way, right? So I'm always teaching, you know, like how can you do natural things to combat your anxiety and your panic attacks? And so I figured out what I needed to do and the thing I needed to do was take a step back. And I took uh, an entire year off of social media. That was a huge thing for me uh, because I felt like I needed to step back and take a hiatus because I was so, this is when Riley's talking about asking about the numbers and I was creating a lot of content around anxiety already. Um, and I grew my Instagram from literally like 
100 followers. I think the I think I went from 100 followers to 65,000 followers within a very short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, he blew. Uh, <laughs> and just like just like natural organic growth, right? Just people just consuming and sharing uh, all this all this amazing content. So I was like, okay, I'm going back to the burnout stage again. I need to take a step back. So I took a, a year off and I ended the podcast that I was recording at the time and I cut back on the content I was making. I literally just I talked to Riley a few weeks ago when we were talking about this podcast, and I apologize as from friend to friend. I'm so sorry. I know I fell off the face of planet Earth, but I needed to do that. And so now I'm coming back after after taking a year. And it's interesting because the person I was before I took the break, I was so fo laser focused on the, the growth and the engagement and the numbers, the analytics, that, again, that was that was too much, becoming too much, because I was too focused on things that didn't matter. It was... I'm creating this content for someone who needs it. Why do the numbers matter? Because you get in your, mm -hmm. in your own head. We're human beings. We're creatives. Um, so I took a step back, and now I could care less about how many people see anything I post. It's about knowing that there is one person who needs this message. When I'm speaking in front of a crowd, it doesn't matter if it's 100 people or 300 people or if I'm talking on a mic and there's 1,000 people listening. It's one person. There's one person in the audience who needs you, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always creating for that one person. And fun fact that one person is the version of me 10 years ago who needed this information, who didn't have, know what to do. So I'm always talking to a previous version of myself, but that is someone's journey right now, right? So in your own industry, there's people, you've done the work, you've created this incredible business, but there's people who are starting from nothing. So you're talking to yourself in the, in the previous version, right? And not, like my engagement and everything are slowly going back to where they were, but it's fun fact, if you take a break from social media, people just automatically will start unfollowing, which is normal, which is fine. Yeah. Um, so my like followers came down, but then I looked at it and I'm like, I don't care. It's okay. I don't care. If I have one follower, that's the person I'm talking to. Like that's the most important for thing sure, for me. Man. So, so yeah, again, anxiety, I always listen. I'm very attuned to like my, so if I ever start feeling anxious or nervous about anything, I take a step back and I, I let it be. I let it go through my body and I listen to what it's trying to tell me. And it always has something that I need to know. So I love that concept of listening to it because I think most people think I need to get rid of that. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. I people think it's an enemy. Stop. Yeah. Get rid of that. And you're like, no, it's telling yeah. you something. It's, it's really there um, to teach you a lesson or to guide you. Right. And so when you look at it that way, it just makes it so much less scary. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's okay. It's, it's normal. We all have it on yeah. some level. Right. For sure. And I think, to some, you know, there's healthy versions. Uh, I was telling a team member um, a while ago who was newer to the team, you know, that there's that healthy version of like, it's a little bit exciting and it and it kind of makes you feel vibrant and, and kind of, you know, like you're, you're just more in tune. And then there's the unhealthy version where you feel sick to your stomach. And, you know, that is not, that is not healthy. You can have that little bit butterflies in your stomach, but when it turns to a different, feeling. Um, but I love that because I, you know, any, uh, we, we work with the Enneagram a lot and I don't know if you've ever done your Enneagram. If not, we need to, we need to figure out your Enneagram number or not. We figure out, you can figure out your I Enneagram I bet he's a three. Number. Sorry. You shouldn't so, type, you okay, shouldn't I'm type gonna, people, shouldn't type people. But if I'm guessing I'm saying a three, there's a book <laughs> that I will gift you and it's very, a very easy read and there's nine types and the Enneagram is your, your core motivations, so your okay. core desires and your core fears. And we use it with our team because it is, um, it's not your behaviors, but it's like, what are some deep seated desires you have for yourself and, and fears? And then that's 
how you kind of can show up in the world at times. And it's really helpful Incredibly for us as a helpful. team when we've got lots of personalities we're working with. Mm -hmm. But I am a seven on the Enneagram and I, one of my core fears is, you know, being in pain or discomfort, right? So when anxiety shows up or bad feelings, I want to get that out of the way as fast as possible with, you know, just, nope, that's not happening and put yeah. a smile on your face, right? Yeah. And so to know it, just listen to it. Yeah. Just, just listen. Don't be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. um, listen to it and work with it. At the end of the day, yeah. when you take the veil and the mask off of the anxiety, it's literally a reflection of you. You are your own, like, you know, you're creating a lot of these things and, Anxiety will help you navigate through that. Um, again, when I talk about this stuff for people who just started experiencing anxiety, they're like, Arslan, what is wrong with you? Why are you saying these things? This, I want this thing to go, go away. away. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it took a long time for anxiety to get here. It's not going to go away overnight. You have to, like, figure it out, you know. Um, and then something that we had talked about, too. So the reason I got back into content creation, this was literally, I think it happened last year uh, when Twitch uh, the DJ Twitch, uh, yeah. Stephen Boss, yeah. Yeah. When, 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 he, when he died by, yeah. by suicide. Um, my wife, who is incredible, who's been a huge source of my inspiration too, she, her and I had a very deep-hearted conversation and she was very honest with me because she has rarely experienced anxiety or depression and she's like, I mean this with love, but how can someone who has literally seemingly everything take their own life, right? And so this, and we had a beautiful conversation. I shared with her all the folks who are struggling in silence and what's behind the scenes that we don't get to see. And so that was a light bulb moment for me. It's like if she's asking this question, a lot of people are as well. So I need to start talking about anxiety again, jump back in anxiety, and immediately started getting those messages again of people claiming, you know, saying that they were going to be either ending their life or whatever it may be, and just that message of hope and helping them get there, like it that light bulb clicked off again. And so again, creating, having that beautiful conversation, but realizing that there's people that are, that seemingly look like they have everything. Megan, you just mentioned like, you know, you put on a face, you have to make sure you're smiling, but you might be, something might be going on behind the scenes that you're not feeling okay about. And that's the, that's the, tr that's the thing most people don't know about either with our industry and us as entrepreneurs and creatives. We could be having the worst day of our lives, but our the switch has to go on, and we have yeah. to make sure people understand that we are showing. Because again, you want to show up as the best version of yourself, even if you're like in pain behind back there. But other people don't need to know that at that moment because they want to make sure that that you're okay. Because if you, you know what I mean. Yeah. So again, that's the, that is the world we live in. But yeah. but as entrepreneurs, as creatives. After a wedding, I'm sure the next day I felt like I was hit by a bus Absolutely. because Same. you are literally on 1000 energy, right? Because again, as business owners, if it is your own brand and your business, you have to make sure that you're showing up as this, which you are, right? Which wholeheartedly you are, but even if you're struggling, we have to mask and hide those. But if you do that long enough, you sometimes lose sight of why am I sad? Like, what's causing me to, like, feel this way? And you have to sh shine a light on that. And once you resolve that thing, then you can continue doing the thing that you're passionate about. Not saying we're not passionate about that, but we tend to, like, push that under the rug, right? Mm -hmm. You guys yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Our yeah. industry especially, right? Yeah. Even just from what we, like you said, what we just actually do every weekend, um, our team, you know, it's, you can't, have a bad day at a wedding day, right? You've got to show up, um, and and you like you you, you kind of suppress that enough, and yeah. that becomes a, you know a real issue. So I'm sure there's a lot of other vendors out there that feel the same thing when they're tired, you're, you know, or 
something's going on in their personal life. And, and we are in an industry where sometimes we have to mask that. And it's so just so refreshing to hear, to talk about it and make it real and, and to make sure people in our industry address it for yeah, sure. Make sure that it's okay. And I think, uh, I speak for you two as well, but I'm very attuned to how other people are feeling and their emotions. So the first time I did meet you and I'm, to this day, I'm so sorry for your loss with, with your with your puppy. Mm-hmm. I could tell, even though you were, I see there's Megan that everyone's talking about. I was so dying to meet you, but I could tell that something was, you were hurting in mm-hmm. one way. And so when we started talking and you started expressing that to me, like that's, again, just asking people how they're feeling. Genuinely, how are you feeling? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, and not having yeah. just those mundane conversations like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. It's like, hey, you can be honest with me. Like, I'm, I'm here for you, you know, and being that voice of reasoning is really important, whether it's our industry or just out and about, just running into someone you haven't seen in a while. I love that. Yeah, yeah it's a very dynamic relationship. It, what I meant to say was it's so meaningful and valuable to have dynamic relationships with people. It is. Where, where you can really tell somebody else how you're doing. And you know they not only will hear you, and, and but they'll feel that yeah. and they will really come to your aid as an advocate for a solution or to at least just take a second and digest what that other person is yeah. feeling. Listen, you know, just sometimes it just you just yeah. need somebody to listen and you just need to say, I'm feeling this, <clears throat> you know, and um, that's it just can be really cathartic to be yeah. able to get that out and have people that listen. Well, that's why it's so important to have when I say strategic partnerships, because I'm, I'm creating this really in-depth course, I guess you could call it, about how to network with a purpose, right? I just came on the scene as a photographer or cinematographer, and maybe you are just uber talented, and you think the key is, well, I'm going to go to networking groups, I'm going to shake hands with a lot of people, and maybe that's going to result in business, and there's my positive return of investment. Been there, done that, years and years and years and years. And what ends up happening is very much like social media trying to find your audience. You're doing that um, in a physical sense with other people. And, and, and so a lot of the things that I like to talk about specifically with newer DJs is that the way you grow your business is through strategic partnerships. And it's not just strategy on how to toss business back and forth. And if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. It's, it's not just you scratch your back, I'll scratch my, it's not, it's, it's way deeper than that. It's developing these kinds of relationships, right? It's like business almost becomes secondary because of how genuine your relationship is with that person. And that's where the magic happens in regards to your sustainability with business. Because I see a lot of people out there that have a lot of talent and a very high skill set for what they do. But still, I can't help but think to myself, unfortunately, it's only a matter of time before you start to run out of momentum because you haven't taken that time to really gain and establish these meaningful relationships with those that will be an advocate for years and years and years and years to come. And so a couple things I want to go back to, because it's, it's truly just, I'm curious. Um, again, I don't think I've had a full-blown anxiety or panic attack. If I have, it's, it's normally been due to like caffeine or, or something like that. Um, getting to a point where you have to go to the ER what what are the symptoms of that? Like how in that state of mind that you're in, how do you come up with a sense of reason to say, okay, I can't control this. I need to go to the ER. I'm just truly curious because, and I asked that question 
I want to follow this up. I asked that question because I can almost guarantee you there's at least one person listening mm -hmm. that might be experiencing anxiety or depression or these panic attacks, and they've never experienced them before. Yeah. And so are they saying to themselves, man, I'm, I, I don't know what's happening. Is it something that I'm like ingesting? Like what, what is it? But like the, the first time you had to go to the ER, because that's like, to me, that's like wild. It was frightening. Yeah. Like what, what were the symptoms? How did you, how did you, yeah. like, I got to go. So panic attacks and heart attacks tend to share a lot of common symptoms, but the, but when it's happening, you you definitely feel like you're having a heart attack, even though the fascinating thing is if you were having a heart attack, the symptoms are different. But when you're going through that, you're like, ah, I feel... So the reason it happens is you start feeling new symptoms that you've never felt in your life before. So automatically this, this red signal this starts going off in your brain that something is terribly wrong. And what your brain is doing, actually, your whole body, they're trying to like reset your system and take blood flow away from essential organs because you are literally in a fight or flight state, meaning your body and your mind think that there is danger around you, uh, meaning like saber to a tiger yeah. or like your life is in danger. And so blood flow starts rushing into different parts of your body for survival purposes. But when that's happening, you start feeling symptoms that are so scary because you think something is wrong, but nothing actually is wrong. Um, so when I first started having a severe, like debilitating panic attack, I was just driving, and I don't know where I started feeling uh, my heart rate, my heart was just racing, right? I, could, I just checked my pulse and it was going so fast, and I was like, okay, what's happening? I started sweating, even though the AC was on, I started sweating. I felt like this out-of-body experience, similar to what you had when you had that bang <laughs> energy drink, yeah. just this out-of-body experience, like I was levitating above. Um, uh, just joint pain, fatigue, like all these things. But then the biggest one that happens is uh, your entire, you, your, all your senses go on tenfold. So everything felt like it was laser focused. All my senses, like everything sounded like 10 times louder. It looked like crystal clear. Again, my body going to fight or flight, preparing for danger and how can we survive? But I thought I was having a heart attack. Went to the ER, they did a full panel. They checked, you know, my heart. Uh, and for anyone listening who feels like they may be having any of those symptoms, the very first thing you can do is get a clean bill of health. Just get your annual physical, whatever it I may be. I was just going to ask that question, yeah. right? Like how to get ahead of it yeah. or like how, yeah, yeah. where do you go from there? Yep, get a clean bill of health. And um, <laughs> I, so that's, this is how scary panic attacks and anxiety can be. So I, I got a clean bill of health, and the doctor was literally like, you are the healthiest patient I've ever seen in my life. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's like, good okay, news, Doc. Great. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. But, but get okay, this, Where Riley. do I go from here? Get this, Riley. This is something most people don't realize. This, this is the scariest part of anxiety in the beginning. I got home. I felt really good. I'm like, I got a clean bill of health. Nothing is wrong. So I was laying there. And all of a sudden, those symptoms started coming up again, right? Because I was feeling anxiety. And then this is what sucks about anxiety in the beginning. It's so scary. My brain starts going to, what if the doctors miss something? Maybe I have a brain tumor? And all of a sudden, um, uh, hypochondriac kicks in, where you start looking at every small symptom, and you start focusing on, on it. Is it a brain tumor? Is it a heart condition? Like, whatever it is, even though the doctor has done everything, and they can see from my blood work, everything is good. And that's where the work starts. The very first thing I can tell anyone who's struggling with anxiety or having panic attacks, the very first thing you can do is to educate yourself. Very simple. Literally start consuming everything you can, whether it is like my, uh, I talk wholeheartedly about all the symptoms. One of my most engaged viewed video that went viral is five 
scary symptoms of anxiety that are completely harmless. And I list the five that I was feeling. And so if anything, watch those videos, watch videos like that. Is that on YouTube? It's on YouTube, yeah. It's like the very top video that people see. I also share my anxiety story. But again, it's things that I didn't have back then. I went, I started looking, I couldn't find anything about people talking about anything that I talk Mm. about now, right? So a lot of these resources are now available. Just go and educate yourself and you will slowly and very, and then eventually very quickly realize anxiety and heart attacks and panic attacks are two like totally different things, right? Wow. I even did a video on the difference between a heart attack and a panic attack, and you can start learning and understanding. So again, keep up with your health. Make sure you're getting a clean bill of health. But the crazy thing, too, is if there is something seriously wrong with us, our body will find other ways to tell us. So if you're having heart issues, there's other things that are happening. So that's why they said the number one symptom of a heart attack is like severe pain on one side of your body, you know, be- and even then, like, you can go and get that checked out. Uh, but anxiety, the, the, what it does in a beautiful way, but also a scary way, it'll find a way to get your attention, right? Going back to, because then, then when I started realizing what I wasn't doing, what I needed to do, slowly those symptoms started subsiding and I started getting more control over my being. And ever since my first panic attack to now, just a story of hope and meaning, I've accomplished more in my life in 10 years since my first panic attack than ever before because it pushed me to start my business, buy our first house, create incredible brands, change millions of lives, do all this amazing stuff, all from anxiety pushing me to be my best version. If it hadn't done that, I would still be like an anxious, nervous wreck, not knowing what I needed to do. So just listen to it and educate yourself. That's the first mistake people make is they always push it away. They get scared by it. They don't know what's going on. Just start educating and learning about it because you will understand how what's happening to they, you. They assume right? versus educate, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, just educate and, and that's where you got to start. You know, it, it's interesting because as we're talking, <clears throat> I'm thinking about something that happened yesterday. I, I had talked, um, I've talked about this to our team and, and Megan, and we've talked about it on the podcast and it's something that, my wife, Melissa, and I talk about a lot. You put a microphone in my hand, I can talk in front of 5,000 people, no problem. Not not out of ego or anything like that, but because I can control the situation. Mm-hmm. I can control the narrative. I can control the environment to at least the best of my abilities. Where I start to get what I would absolutely define as social anxiety is when I'm in um, I'm not going to use any specific places, but I'll, but I'll use yesterday as an example. I'm not going to say where I was, but it, it was an ice cream shop. And I can tell you like what a nightmare scenario is for me where I start to get that social anxiety triggered and it happens very quickly is we were in this small area where there's seating and it's just Melissa and I, and we got our ice cream and we're just kind of hanging out, talking a little bit. And to the right of our table, there's a group of four individuals. Um, they're a little bit older um, one individual is on their speakerphone talking to somebody. So there's like noise going on over there. Other side of me, there's a, there's a mom and there's four little kids and two little kids are like jumping up and down and they're making a bunch of noise. There's no music playing. There's another couple by us who's kind of just having a conversation, but I can hear them. So I can hear that conversation. I can hear the speakerphone. I can hear the kids. And it's just, I get really, really uncomfortable and Melissa knows that. And so she said to me, she's like, this probably isn't your, your ideal scenario. I said, no, I'm like, just, I, I, it's really hard for me to be here. Like my fight or flight, I want to go outside mm-hmm. and just get away from it. So like if I'm in packed malls or packed concerts, um, 
you know, just being around a lot of conversations around me is where I start to feel that, that I guess you could define it as social anxiety, yeah. I guess. And, and, and through your words and, and, and mindset, what is the difference between anxiety and panic attacks versus like social anxiety? Because I hear a lot of individuals, um, specifically in the wedding space where they're introverted. A lot of creatives are introverted, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they, they don't want a microphone on their hand yeah. and, and, and they don't like large crowds. What is the main differences between social anxiety, which I know means you're around people, so there's a difference, but are the symptoms the same? Where do you think that stems from? Yeah, so uh, oddly enough, um, one of the number one ways to combat anxiety and figure like calm yourself is through what's known as mindful meditation which uh the difference between meditation and mindful meditation is mindful literally means bringing your attention to the present moment so something that could work for you as well riley is like there's a technique known as grounding which is called five four three two one where if you're feeling anxiety you look around and you spot five things that you see around you you listen to four things, which wasn't hard for you. You can listen to four things, and you're essentially bringing your focus to the present moment. Oddly enough, the same mindful meditation is happening when you're in your sense of purpose. So when you're in talking to 500 people, when when Megan, when you're you know like whether flipping houses or like here like uh, like do, doing the thing that you're passionate about, and for me is creating, being our, our like that is literally releasing the same dopamine as mindful meditation. So I'm always telling creatives. Do the thing that you're passionate about, creative about, and do more of that because that'll help your anxiety. Um, but social anxiety uh, literally has the same physical symptoms as anxiety in general because anxiety is overarching and everything falls below it. But social anxiety definitely has uh, a lot of people are to the point that they can't even go to like functions or parties and stuff like that because they would much rather be alone and mm. isolated and stuff like that. But oddly enough, the best way to combat social anxiety is to not avoid a situation, right? Avoidance of anything, whether it's like, I'm gonna avoid this store because I feel anxious when I go there. I'm gonna avoid this person or this conversation. Make sure anxiety verse worse. So if you remember at one of the places I spoke several years ago, I shared the story of about buffaloes. Yeah, okay, so yeah. th th this goes hand in hand with that. So uh, buffaloes do something very fascinating that other animals don't do. So if a buffalo or a herd of buffalo are standing in a field and a storm is approaching, coming towards them, most pe most animals, what they would do is they'll run away from the storm, making sure that they don't get caught in it. A buffalo will run towards it, get like stormed on and run, get in the middle, the eye of the storm, and then run through it because they know Amazing. there is no way they can outrun this storm. That's what anxiety is as well. The um, way the so, way he told that story at that event was incredible. Is that? <laughs> did you film that whole thing? Yeah, I think it's, it might be on YouTube. It's literally you need to go like, watch that. If you're listening, how, watching this pot, go stop, press pause, and go listen to that. To run, the storm. run through the storm and through it because the more you run away from social anxiety, anxiety. And by the way, I'm, I, I want everyone to know that yeah, there are debilitating uh, you know symptoms and whatnot that you feel. But again, those are the ones that you need to face head on. Because the more you do that, the more power you're giving yourself and the less power you're giving anxiety. Again, the purpose is not to take all the power away from anxiety because that's gonna make it more powerful, right? But you want to tell your anxiety, like, I see you, I hear you, I welcome you, okay? Yep. How can we work together, right? So allow it to be, don't fight it, social anxiety, everything you're feeling. Um, all those sounds that were going off. And I've been in an environment with Riley where I've witnessed that I can see your anxiety building up. Um, what you need to do is you need to 
look look at Melissa and, and just start a conversation and start zoning mm-hmm. everything out or uh, allowing that to be. So the more you like run through it like a buffalo would. By the way, there's so many amazing stories of animals and how they handle anxiety that that we we can that I talk about. We can as learn well. from them. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and uh, creatives, entrepreneurs, which entrepreneurs are creatives. We are way more prone to anxiety and mental health related concerns because our creative part of our brain is the same exact part of our brain that produces anxiety. Wow. So the what if situations and going to this creative imagination land of like, what if these clients hate me? What if I did the worst job I could have done? Like this was awful. Um, and turning that into like, so what? You know, so what if this doesn't go the way like you can troubleshoot it, you can figure it out, you know, because we always go to the what if, like the worst case scenarios, and that's our creative brain working. So entrepreneurs are very prone to anxiety I, because I of that. I agree. I agree because I think oftentimes, I mean, I think of the two of you especially, there's things that you wouldn't want to turn off about who you are, right? And even if that means battling some anxiety, myself included, that that also is who we are in the creative sphere. I'm curious to find out being a man, right? Um, especially, you know, how, what, what, not what advice, but maybe it is, is simply advice or, or thoughts when it, when anxiety comes up for a man, not that, uh, I think there is still just some, uh, stigmas around anxiety in men and women can maybe show it more and, uh, be a little bit more nurtured or there's more empathy, right? For women and for men, it's, there's just not as much. And so, what have you done or what what have you taught um, men to do in those situations? And, and what does that look like as a man and, and showing up and embracing it, but, you know, not pushing it away, dealing with it and, and how to how to feel That's about a great it? Question. Yeah, great yeah, question. absolutely. So this is something that uh, to this day with my my brother. So I have I have five siblings, as I said, I have a, a I'm the second youngest and my baby brother, Zeeshan and I, we are. Um, we are very much connected in regards to being very open and vulnerable. So uh, we lost our mom at the when I was 13. She died from breast cancer. And after she passed away, it was very fascinating because all of my siblings handled that completely different. Their grieving process was different. For Zeeshan and I, we very much turned to just speaking about it and opening up about it and allowing ourselves that space to like cope through it like that. My older brothers held that in. They held that grief in, they held that pain in, and they just felt like it didn't happen. And I've noticed anxiety and depression in all of them. And so I always bring it up, like, okay, let's talk about this. Like, well, what's bothering you? And they're still very hesitant. Like, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm you know, like, uh, just being, like, you know, this this macho, this, like, this personality of, like, oh, I can't share my emotions. I have to be strong for everyone, right? And so... The very first thing you can do uh, as, as a man, if you're feeling anxiety or depression or any kind of pain and suffering, share that with someone that's closest to you, whether it may be your significant other or someone like a best friend, someone you can confide in and just be open. The thing that's really odd for people is they feel that they don't want to be a burden to someone, number one, mm-hmm. and they feel like no one is going to listen to them. But it's so interesting, the second you start opening up about your pain and suffering, the person you're speaking with, they not only confide in that, but then they can share, they can understand that, wait, we can talk about this stuff? Like, (laughs) dude, I'm going through the same thing. I'm having the same issues. Tell me more about yours. And so then you start talking like, okay, I'm struggling with this, with my business or my personal life. I just feel like I, 
I'm going through this this pain or suffering, and then that person will open up to you, and then you're now you've opened up this dialogue and conversation. If you don't feel like there's anyone you can trust to talk about those things, just know that there's incredible community and support groups out there. Just even like going to Facebook and typing in uh, mental health anxiety group or whatever, and just like finding whether it's in your community or but I can personally guarantee for the majority of people, there's someone in your life you can open up to and you might be afraid to do so because you're afraid to like unravel those emotions. But the second you do that and you start peeling away at that pain and suffering, you start revealing this beautiful side of you that's going to help you show up as the best version of, of yourself to your loved ones and, and to, to yourself as well, you know? Because again, people are just constantly suffering in silence, not knowing that they can open up. So just confide in someone and just share like, hey, can we talk for a second? Just do you want to go on a walk for me? Like going on walks is so therapeutic. Like, hey, you want to meet up and go on a walk for 20 minutes? Or hey, can you jump on a phone call and just be like, hey, man, listen, I'm struggling with this. Uh, and I, I know this might sound odd and just open up and you'll be blown away at what happens. I, th I think <clears throat> a lot of men are fearful of the perception about them changing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So if I said to somebody, Hey, this is going to sound kind of odd coming from me, but, but I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z thing. I've been going through X, Y, and Z thing. I think the fear is the response being like, Whoa, I always perceived you as a guy that never got rattled or, Oh, there's weakness now. Right. And so the fear of like, Oh, they look at me differently. You know, yeah. oh, they don't they don't look at me as uh, a strong leader that always has a lot of sharp mental clarity. They they, they, they know my weakness now and they're going to expose my weakness. And now everything goes down the toilet. It's like you have to get over that. Yeah, because nobody is that way 24 seven, nor no. would you want to be. No. And, and the relationship that you have with that other person when you have that vulnerability. And we did that at our, our very first team retreat. You know, literally every single one of us, myself included, were very vulnerable. crying, right? I yeah. mean, because we talked about what our fears were and, you know, how we want to be perceived versus how we perceive ourselves. And so when it goes back to businesses and organizations, maybe your employees or your team members, maybe they don't have that support system at home. So what sort of culture are you designing and curating for those that you shouldn't just look at as, well, I pay you to do X, Y, and Z thing there. That's where our relationship, like this could be a great outlet for other team members to be able to communicate in a way where they may, maybe they can't communicate that way as, as open and freely with their significant other or their sibling or their children or whoever, like you need to provide them a place where they feel like they're, 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 they're being heard. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also like, Something that most people don't understand is for people that talk negatively about someone's struggle with anxiety or depression or like, you know, sometimes you see people like so-and-so is faking it. They're like, they're so the interesting thing is people don't understand when you speak negatively about some like a celebrity or someone who might be struggling with like mental health concerns, that celebrity doesn't know who you are. They're never going to listen to you or hear you, but you know who is going to see those posts or hear you? your child, your significant other, mm. your friend, someone mm. in your life who really cares about you. And now you've put out this, this shield that I can't go to this person to talk about it because they obviously think this is a joke, right? right? So it's very important how you even talk about other people, like whether it's celebrities or someone who's in the mainstream media, not just anxiety or depression, but just anything else in <laughs> just general. Anything, right? anything. Yeah. like yeah. if you if you start 
putting out hate and other things that you you know in, in, in the, your heart of hearts is not the right thing to say, those people could care less because they don't know who you are, but the people that are closest to you, they will see that. So you have to be very mindful of how you're showing up to your loved ones. Yeah, and and by the way, a lot of people don't know this, that the way Facebook at least is designed is if you put up a negative comment, you see, like if you're following that, if you're a friend with that person online, yeah, it'll show you. Yes. Like if it's like a KCRG article or oh, something, yeah, man. Yeah. you'll see somebody oh, put like, yeah. I agree, this is terrible, oh, or I don't know, see, she's yeah. dumb, or blah. Yeah. It's like you just randomly see those things. But aside from from that, to your point, having children, you're shaping them yeah. with every single thing you say and every single thing that you do. Like my son is going through a phase right now. He's eight. He's going through a phase right now where he is terrified of storms. And Megan, I know you've gone through that and because we've talked about it. I didn't really know what to do. It just, it happened out of nowhere. Thankfully, we weren't in like a tornado or anything where we, we were almost injured, but it just, it's every day that he's asking, is it, dad, is it going to rain today? And, you know, no, buddy, it's not, you know, let me see your phone. Let me see your phone. And Melissa and I both have sat him down and we've said, you know, Asher, you know, what are you, what are you scared of? You know, it's going to rain a lot in your life and it's going to storm and the winds are going to be bad and it's going to hail. And you might even be God forbid in a tornado someday, man. But like what that could very well happen. Like what, what's going on here? And he doesn't want us to get hurt. And he obviously doesn't want to get hurt. He, he's, he's very protective of something that he found that he can't control. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what 100%. it is. My son went through the exact same thing. So I could feel it was, it was really hard. And being a parent, you know, with children, wow, it changes your world um, in such great ways. And then it's, that can even bring up your anxiety when you don't know how to help your child, right? Exactly. Or you see them struggling with something. And um, so that's a, a a conversation that is is a big deal too especially for i assume for a dad you know yeah. if you have a child that's struggling you're like i'm going to help them and i want to make them feel safe and if they don't feel safe you're like oh my gosh this is is challenging um yeah i know i've shared some things it was literally just it took time for yeah. him to get through for jack to yeah. get through that um that phase it was it was a tough one and to see, now, now, now imagine if riley was the type of dad who's like Man, like man up no, or yeah, like or buck it. up you'll you'll be okay stop yeah. stop being scared like and that happens every single day sure. parents will talk to their child as if they're a grown human beings talking to them instead of uh you know like help, letting them confide in you and the second you start breaking that your child is going to continue to push you away and now you've created this 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 loop of as they get older they're going to realize okay when i was younger i couldn't open up to what about my feelings and my worries and my fears to my dad. Um, I'm going to be like this as an adult. And now you've created depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and PTSD as they get older, right? So we can break that. We can break that that by exactly what Riley's doing and, and what you're doing. And every parent out there, just talk to your child if they're scared about anything because those fears are what manifest into full-blown panic attacks as they get older. Um, but you have to, yeah. you can do things about that right now. Just have No, absolutely. And I think one of the hardest parts about being a parent, specifically when you, you know, are an entrepreneur and you're doing a million different things, it is, it's tough to, because, you know, I'm very fortunate where I continue to have a relationship with my dad and, and my mom. It's always been very open. Um, I didn't come from toughen up buttercup. Like it, it was always, we communicated 
a lot and, and, and very effectively. And, and uh, I'm very blessed to have parents that, that I still, again, to this day, am able to talk with them, right? And they're not just going to lecture me and yeah. say, you need to do this and this. What are you complaining about this for? I mean, we can really have these detailed conversations. But it's tough sometimes when you feel like you have these really heartfelt conversations with your eight-year-old saying, Asher, would I ever, ever put you in harm's way? Would I ever put you in harm's way? I promise you, I, if there was ever a storm on the horizon that we felt all of us were in danger, you were in danger, we would protect you from that. Okay, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Next day. Dad, is it going to rain yep. today? It's like how many of these conversations, yeah. but, but it is. I think that is one of the hardest parts about being a parent is reminding yourself that you're shaping their lives, you're shaping yeah. their belief system, and you're the, shaping their, their, their own philosophy, human being, and yeah. they have their own thoughts, and mm-hmm. and they're not an adult. Yeah. You know, they are. They're they're. You know, even my teenage son, who's 16, you know, who mm. looks like a man and is driving and has a deep voice now, and talking. That's one a whole of the other. funniest individuals I know, by the way. I mean, he is so witty <laughs> and funny and confident. I mean, a, you've done a great job he's raising a your good children. Dude. I just posted a video on Instagram of him. Lo- jumping in Lake Geneva in Switzerland. I'm sure it was a dare. He's on a European (laughs) trip. And uh, he is the kid who will take any dare. He he even told me the other day, he's like, I want to be the friend that people are like, oh man, did you know Jack did this? And I'm like, well, you're well on your way. Um, He loves just those experiences. But as a parent, yeah, it's it's really tough when, you know, it's like you're a part of me, but you're your own person too. And you have your own thoughts. And and you're trying to help, and you know, um, sometimes it is time. You should tell him the buffalo story. I wonder if does he know that? I know, I that should. Yeah, buffalo. They run toward a storm. That's, that's li- a, literally absolutely. a storm. You should, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and see, that's the beauty of it too. Is like as parents, the three of us, like we're parents, like we also have to remember that at the end of the day, we're also humans, and we were, we're still people even before we were parents. And again, people lose the sense inside of that. And the more you show up authentically, you're teaching your. Also, we should do an intro. Uh, welcome to Entrepreneurs and Parenthood. Episode <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, that yeah. could that's be a, a podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. That um, could be, that's one thing that I do want to mention about like creatives and whatnot, um, and I know a lot of your listeners who are in the wedding space struggle with this because I struggled with this when I first got into weddings. Something that's very unique to wedding professionals that I haven't noticed other places a lot is um, this sense of uh, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome was so big for me, and that also like either pushed me creatively or made my anxiety worse. Like, you know, you see other cinematographers or whatever it may be, they're putting out content that's like amazing. And you're like, I wish I could be that good. And you either that pushes you creatively or that tells you like, I'm never going to be that good. Right. And so that's another thing I want people to know is like, there's a thousand new pizza places that open up every single day and people still go to it. Just like that. What you're creating is so unique just, you know, staying in your own lane as easy as it is to say, it's it's hard to do. Uh, but the more you continue to do that, it's chips away. The imposter syndrome really leads to anxiety. Well, I, yeah. I think you having that sort of insight um, has a lot to do, and maybe I'm wrong here, so please correct me if I am, you getting off social media for a while. Because I've done the same thing. I went two and a half years with no social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My business was still running really, really well because of the relationships that I have with, with those that matter most. I was able to keep in touch with a lot of people that mattered most to me, but I was truly disconnected from a lot of things that were happening. And I would hear a lot of things secondhand or thirdhand. So 
if you are feeling, and I want to ask you about kind of some social media strategies too about kind of anxiety because that can bring a lot of things on specifically with children and, and stuff Absolutely. like that. Um, uh, being able to step away. Like yeah. it's okay to just delete it off your phone, stay in your lane, put your head down, work really hard, control what you can control, and you're not going to miss out on as much as you think you will by not being on there. But when you're ready to come back on and you can use this as a platform that shares your belief system and philosophy. In my opinion, that's how social media should be used. It's yeah. not the comparison um, of other individuals. Uh, what is it? Comparison is a thief of joy. Absolutely. Right? You know? yeah, absolutely. And, and I see that all the time, you know, and it, it's okay to step away or to unfollow or to mute. Isn't it <laughs> funny how yes. sometimes we think like we can't? We can't. Like, we can't we escape. Think, it. Like, yeah. I get, I'm like, no, you absolutely very much can. can. And <laughs> I think we were just having a conversation before we started feeling about AI and Everything has a positive side. Social media has so many powerful things you're, that you can reach people that yeah. didn't, you know, you may not have been able to otherwise, but it has a, a negative side too. And, and that's the, the tough part is figuring out where you feel good when you're using it and what inspires you and what makes you feel negative and realize you can take a break, unfollow somebody. Um, I've worked really hard to, I told uh, to not be negative i told maddie um if we get a negative comment i don't want to know about it yeah i don't i i mean personally i don't want to hear it i just delete it you know so poor maddie has to filter <laughs> you just put it on you maddie maddie's over will be crying every night oh God, i don't like these two um i'm like but i for me personally i don't even want to, i do not like negative yeah. energy i do yeah. not i don't even want to like bring that up to be like, I don't care. I just don't want it in my life, yeah. you know? And so I've found ways to um, just get that part out of my life, but it, it, it is a powerful tool. So yeah, what talk, talk to us about, especially for people that use it to create our, we create our businesses around it. It's our marketing platform. It's how we share what we do, but there can be this huge imposter syndrome. There mm -hmm. can be this you know, negative spiral on social media too. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so there's two sides to social media. And, um, I think a lot of people find themselves veering towards one another. You're either the content creator you or you're the, this. or you're the consumer, right? So if you're the person who's consuming content literally daily on the daily, like all the time, we love you because you're the one who we're making content for, yeah. but you're more likely to like fall into that comparison trap and whatnot. As content creators, I'll make something, I'll post it and I'll not like, I won't look at it again unless if it's a comment or a, a critique or something that I need to like address. Um, the more you consume it, the the more likely you are to like experience anxiety. As a matter of fact, it sounds insane, but it's true. Um, there are scientists that are hired by Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram wow. and YouTube, uh, TikTok. Their sole purpose is how can they create the algorithm and an interface that is exclusively addicting to the people that come to it. Same thing with the food industry. There's like scientists who create like, you know, Doritos and stuff like that. How can you create an uh, addictive thing? So the reason I'm comparing the two is you're still releasing some kind of dopamine response. Mm -hmm. And the more you do that, the more addicted you get and the more likely you're to feel anxiety yeah. and depression and not, you know, like your self-worth goes down. Yeah. So if you're feeling any of those things, especially after you consume social media, it definitely is a sign you need to take a break. And uh, if you feel, uh, as for me as well, like um, as a business owner who like, you know, like people are engaging with you on social media, 
What I do that has really worked for me is I very much limit how much time I spend on it. Mm -hmm. So for the first three hours of the day, has people can be like, that's crazy. And you don't have to have it three hours. At least for the first hour of the day, don't even touch your phone. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the second you wake up, the very first light that you should be seeing is sunlight hitting your eyes because that's what human beings need. And immediately you're going to feel calm and collected. And then even an hour before you go to bed, just shut your devices off. And if you can, put it on airplane mode. Do not disturb mode yep. because there's nothing that urgent that you cannot sleep at night. Like no yeah. one's going to need you in the middle of the night. And if they do, then you're doing something wrong. Right. right? Like right. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're creating this atmosphere where people think they can email you or get a hold of you at three in the morning expecting a reply. Absolutely. So you have to create an environment <laughs> yes. where people know like, oh, they're less likely to reply during this time because they don't even check. You know, like you can even create out of office responses or whatever yes. it is. Even on Facebook, when people message me on Facebook, I have a messenger that goes off thing because I don't check Facebook messages. And so I have people like either email me or something if they want to get a hold of me. Right. Because I get so many messages like nonstop and I don't want to lose sure. the important ones as, as well. So um, I'll check them. Obviously, I, I dedicate time a couple times a week to check DMs in case there's someone, like I said, that urgently is in a state of like panic and needs something. But you you can you are the commander of your own ship. You can create the your own version of like consuming content or creating content. Yeah. So if you're feeling like a low self-worth from social media, it's definitely time to step back, you know? Yeah. Um, because you're a, it, it, there is an addiction element to it, unfortunately. Oh, 100%. You, know? you can curate your environment more yes. than a lot of yeah. people give yeah. themselves credit right. for. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Also, sure. another side fun fact, uh, TikTok was really fascinating. By the way, I'm not on TikTok. I'm I like I, I've posted a few things and whatnot, but um, I know we're going down a rabbit hole with TikTok side of things, but just to talk about mental health related to it, uh, TikTok is like, obviously, it was created in China. It's like a Chinese app. So when... Americans, when our youth, when they go to TikTok, right away, the things that they're recommended are related to beauty standards, uh, you know, addiction, yeah. harm, like whatever it may be, things that are not good for our mental well-being. Mm -hmm. Kids in China, when they create a new account on TikTok, they're immediately bombarded with content around self-growth, education, development, like things that will help their being, wow. right? So that's scary, what, what I mean by Extremely that, like scary. The, the content creation machine, the social media, like you you are consuming stuff that is, you know, inevitably one way or another harming you. So you can, again, curate that. You can figure out who you want to follow and who you want to unfollow, who you want to mute. You don't have to be just because it's your best friend from high school that you haven't talked to in 30 years. If they're posting stuff that isn't good for your well-being okay to mute them there's nothing wrong with that and i feel and like I'll we live know. in a society we we can we can change that mindset you know uh, your mental well-being is at the end of the day most important whether you're a business owner or yep. just anything i i think just speaking for my own social media experience it is very positive because i've made it that way yes. i've unfollowed mm -hmm. i've muted um so the things that i'm seeing I want to engage. I want to say congratulations. I want to share a new coffee shop because I know the individual that's opening it and I want to congratulate that individual on a new promotion. Nothing that I'm seeing is like, oh, man, why why is that person so eager? Like I, I've unfollowed them a very long time yeah, ago. I've done the same thing. And you know, that that's up to you. Nobody, nobody can do those things for you. Yeah. And um, it is, it's scary when you start to think about the youth and um the standards that are being designed around them. It's, it's a tough one to navigate as, as 
my kids are getting older. So, so are your kids on social media? How, how do they navigate? Yeah. Uh, Jack is not until just recently he created an Instagram account because a friend wanted to share. He's huge into Spider-Man. Oh, wonderful. He is from Europe messaging me about there's all the things going on and I don't quite understand, but I'm trying to learn different things happening. Um, about, I don't know, new movies and games coming out. And so there was a film someone wanted to share with him. Otherwise, no, and he doesn't really have any interest. So he, he doesn't have any social media accounts. Ashton does, but uses it very rarely. Yeah. I mean, she's very rarely on. They're just, they're just not interested in it. Um, Jack's on YouTube a lot, though, mm. watches a lot of YouTube uh, videos, but it's around gaming, um, things like that. But it, it, it can be tough. I mean, his... Uh, and not social media, but conversing with his friends, just their generation is all via text. You know, again, tone is really hard to tell with text. We've had a lot of those conversations. This person said this to me and it creates instant feelings. And I'm like, well, maybe they did or they haven't responded to me. That is such a crazy thing for me to deal with as a parent now. Um, it, they'll send out a message and then, you know, they're upset or what. I'm like, well, they haven't responded. They might be like actually right. busy. I remember I grew up when you had to dial someone on the phone. You didn't know who was calling you. <laughs> there wasn't even a caller ID. That's how far, far back I go. Right. So, um, there's some of those things happening where, you know, we're just so used to instant gratification or getting likes or getting someone to respond to our messages. And I almost think some people, cause I see it this way, they might be feeling kind of down or anxious and they don't, they don't maybe even relate it directly to social media. They're like, that's harmless, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at things. I'm yeah. just letting like, no, it's very powerful. You're yeah. being fed content sometimes that you maybe haven't even, you know, requested or you're seeing things or, or you are friends with someone, but I think that is bringing you down. But I don't sure. think people always relate it to being mentally harmful. They think what well, I'm just looking at pictures or yeah. I'm just scrolling or I'm just seeing like that can really be, be, hard on you without you knowing it. So I truly think if you took, if you just shut it all off, for sure, that would be the test, right? Cause even as content creators here, I'll ask the question to anyone listening or watching who is a content creator. Now imagine with me, you spent 30 hours making something that you think is absolutely beautiful, whether it's an art piece or uh, a video podcast, a brand, whatever it is, you've invested so much love and passion into it. You posted and crickets, nothing, no likes, no comments, no shares. A week goes by, nothing. How can you not feel anxious? Yeah. I just bought a yeah, cricket crickets. sound effect. Yeah, right? You were waiting this whole episode. Oh, thank crickets. you. He finally said crickets. Uh, what else is on there? Because I can, I know, I can, right? I can, what I can else run can through. You say? I can, yeah. But you know what I mean. And that uh, automatically, the response goes to worry, which leads to fear, which leads to anxiety, which leads to depression. You know, like it all just trickles down, all because nobody engaged with you, right, yeah. on social media. Now, what if you do the same thing and post it, but not even ever look at it and know that you put your love and passion into it, but now, you know, create something else like this again and again and again and keep posting it, not worrying about the likes and the follows and the comments, your well-being is definitely going to be on on a, a much more 100 percent right so it's posting ghost posting ghost yes yeah. post and then and then and then don't worry about it you know no, so that's, that's great that's really important yeah I agree. that's great i agree um last question i have for you so when when some of the anxiety was popping up you said like 2015 yeah what would our salon uh in 2023 say to our salon in 2015 we like 
whoa, you came up with a time machine? How the heck did you pull this up? No. Uh, I'm here. Um, so, you know, it's really fascinating because I get asked this question quite often. Like, what would you say to your 10-year-old like version from like 10 years ago? And the interesting thing is like, number one, will that version of me listen, right? Because mm. we as human beings... Mm. Every five to ten years, like just physi- like our physiology, we're constantly evolving. We're becoming a new version of ourselves, constantly unmasking and becoming the new person that we are as we continue to evolve. And what I would tell if, if the person that was ten years ago, the Arslan that was me ten years ago, if if he were to listen, I would literally just uh, tell him that it's okay to not be okay, right? And it's okay to just open up about my insecurities because we are just so afraid to like peel off the mask of the things that are beneath us that are scaring us that are worrying us that nobody is going to listen and just opening up to one person is like all all it takes right Uh, so i would just say it's okay to not be okay and know that the the best is yet to come right like your life is about to like evolve and just be kind to yourself oh that's the last thing i wanted to say is just please be kind to yourself your journey Wherever you are, we are just, we live in a world where we are just constantly like just being negative to ourselves, like that negative self-talk. Um, seriously, like the, every time you're like, you, are, you talk to yourself more than any other person in the world. Like the <laughs> yeah. amount of thoughts that you have, yeah. you're constantly talking to yourself, but yet we are always the toughest on ourselves. Yeah. Like if, if someone in your life is going through a, like cancer or anything that's difficult or like whether it is depression, you will show up to talk to them in a very loving, caring way. But if you're going through the, like if someone was like going through body image issues, you'd be like, you're beautiful just the way you are. But then you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you're ugly. Like, what is wrong with you? How, how did you do this? Like, wh- why, why can't you take care of yourself? You are so negative to yourself, but you're so loving to other people. So maybe flip that as well and make sure that you're being kind and loving to others, but also to yourself. Yeah. Just be kind to yourself because you're talking to yourself that, more than anyone else. Be I your own it. best friend, yes. right? You know, yeah. how would you talk to a friend? Talk to yourself that way. That is one of the hardest things to do, yeah. but you're absolutely right. It sure is. It's a, it. a very tough thing. So I know there's a lot of people that are listening and watching that want to get to know you on a deeper level. They want to explore the videos you've put out, um, podcasts that you've done. Um, where would you like people to go to get to know you in the most authentic way possible, whether that's social media, email you directly? How do you want people to find you? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that are listening in right now that want to go deeper with you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And again, thank you for allowing me the space to come Dude, talk our on your pleasure, platform. pleasure, man. Finally. Uh, I Glad. love what you guys are doing. <laughs> and just a sidebar note, I shared this with Riley. I didn't tell Megan this, but when I'm usually editing late in the night when everyone is asleep and my, my best editing time is either four in the morning when everyone's asleep. <laughs> um, and usually when I'm editing anything that doesn't require audio, I'm usually listening to the two of you. Oh, well, thank you, man. So thank I'll like, catch myself like, like laughing out loud or talking a lot, like they can't hear me, but, um, but no, so for uh, thank you for allowing me to be on oh, here. It's been thank an you. absolute honor. Thank you. I, I love both of you so much. Um, so the best place to get a hold of me is definitely uh, for my content, go to youtube.com slash Arslan Monowar. Okay. That's for all my YouTube content, especially around anxiety. If you're struggling in silence, please know there's resources out there for you to learn and just educate yourself, okay? Because I know a lot of people are going through that. Instagram.com slash Arslan Monowar. My handle is Arslan Monowar everywhere. Um, Instagram is the best way to 
get a hold of me in direct messages because on YouTube, if you message me, it'll just go to my email and I don't want to lose you in like in a spam yep. folder. So just message me on, on Instagram. Those are the two where I'm definitely the most active. And I'll be sure to put this in the uh, show notes as yeah. well so yeah. people can, can easily find you. Yeah, so, for sure. Well, listen, man, this has been incredible having you on, having you here at Ashton Hill. I love this vibe. I do too. Um, friends talking. Yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah. You you are somebody who truly has inspired me to be a better person, to be um, a better professional, to level up my game when it comes to the client experience. Um, I've enjoyed every single moment we've had together. And you've had me on your podcast, which I still watch and listen to. I was showing my son, <laughs> Asher, um, and Isla the other day. It was just so well done um, from the production side of your thing. So <laughs> I, I'm, if, if individuals listening have, have, like, this is the first time kind of seeing and, and hearing Arsalan, I'm just, I'm so excited for you, uh, the listener, to learn more about Arsalan because he is such a blessing uh, in so many different ways. Thank you so much. Thanks for guys. being here. This is wonderful. I love you guys. Thank love you. you too. I Thank you, I can't wait to come for part two in yeah, the next absolutely. year when you have like a million followers. <laughs> so. The door is always yeah. open. This is not the last time <laughs> yeah. you're going to be on here. So thank, thank you, you so thank much. You so much.